Father, thank you for this day, for this opportunity to gather and to learn more about your word. We pray that you would bless our time together in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So we began a couple of weeks ago uh, with chapter 27 of the sacraments. And I think the bottom line question about a sacrament is... How does the sacrament connect to the things symbolized? So we know that the Lord's Supper symbolizes what? Well, more more than eating. (laughs) The Lord's Supper symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. So what is the relationship of the Lord's Supper to the body and blood of Jesus Christ? Baptism... connects to forgiveness of sin, washing, the cleansing. So in what way So this is what the sacrament is. The Lord's Supper is a sacrament. Baptism is a sacrament. What is the relationship of the Lord's Supper to the thing signified, to the sign, the thing that it points to? Uh, sorry, I said that wrong. The Lord's Supper is the sign, the thing signified is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Baptism is the sign, the, same, the thing signified is cleansing, washing of water. Uh, and, and so in Scripture... And we read this last week, but just to get us all on the same page again, can someone read Acts chapter 22 and verse 16? Well, read for me Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. So, in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, the connection, be baptized for the washing away of your sin. Now, does that mean that baptism is going to wash away your sin? Well, it looks like it in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16, doesn't it? Read the verse. <laughs> Acts chapter 22 and verse 16 says, Be baptized and wash away your sins. Now, I'm obviously not, I hope it's obvious, I'm not saying that baptism washes away your sins. But, but what I am pointing out is that the scriptures connect these two very, very closely. Baptism and the washing away of sin is connected. In the same way, when Jesus Christ 
took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And when he gave them the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink you all of it. There's a, there's a connection between these two things that scripture gives us. Well, if you'll hang on just a minute, we'll get there. All I'm trying to say is, what does the scripture say? And what the scripture says is, this is my body. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. He doesn't say this represents my body. He doesn't say this represents the covenant. So what we have to do, and this is where theology obviously comes in, and this is where all of the disagreement is. This is where there has been disagreement over the years. When Jesus Christ said, this is my body, you're going to have one group of people, and this includes both the Roman Catholics and the Lutherans, who are going to say there is a very direct relationship. These two are absolutely one and the same. So that when you take the Lord's Supper for the Roman Catholic, you are physically taking the body of Christ into your system. Uh, that's one of the reasons, If you, how many of you have grown up in a Roman Catholic context, all right? So, maybe you grew up in a newer uh, post-Trent uh, II church, or maybe you, the, the pre-Trent is called Tridentine, uh, Tridentine Roman Catholicism. Uh, the sort of classical Roman Catholic practice, so... Okay, again, who grew up in a Roman Catholic context? All right, so when you went before the priest for the sacrifice of the Mass, they put the little wafer, you kneel in front of the chancel, and they put the little wafer on your tongue, right? Did they give you the cup? No. No. Okay, so both of you guys grew up in what is called pre-Vatican II or Tridentine. <laughs> uh, Vatican II was when it, it, it happened in the 1960s, and uh, the Roman Catholic Church tried to be more, uh, they, they tried to embrace evangelicalism and kind of bring in some of the Protestants into the Roman Catholic Church by making some concessions, and one of those was the laity could take the cup. So that's a side note. Why were you not allowed to take the cup? Was it ever explained? The reason you're not allowed to take the cup is because you might spill some of the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ might drip down off your chin. So you don't actually pick up the wafer. You open your mouth, you stick your tongue out, and the priest puts the wafer on your tongue so that none of the body of Christ can possibly be lost on the ground. The blood, it's not so easy to do because you got to drink the cup. And when you drink the cup, maybe a little bit runs out of the corner of your mouth. The blood of Christ is is being profaned. And I remember it was a big deal when they allowed you to take it 
Right. And that was a big controversy. Because if you take it from your hand, you might drop a few crumbs of the body of Christ on the floor. Um, so so this, this identity. So with these guys, the word is identity. They are one and the same. The Lord's Supper, the bread is the body of Christ. The wine is the blood of Christ. And, and so Roman Catholics and Lutherans both, they, you know, Luther, uh, supposedly kept slamming his fist on the table when they were debating this and just kept repeating over and over again, this is my body. That's what the Word of God says. That's what this is. Well, I'm not, I wasn't back there in the 1500s in the debate. I think that's a legitimate point. <laughs> but the point is, uh, that's, that's their, their basis for saying that. Now Zwingli, uh, comes along and he says, no, this is obviously not physically the blood of Christ. This is obviously not physically the body of Christ. And simultaneously, baptism does not Completely, I mean, baptism isn't how you're cleansed of sin. Yep. Wait a minute, talk louder, I can't hear. Exactly. Yes, that, that is correct. I, that, I mentioned that last week, but, uh, yeah, that's good for those who, uh, don't have the memory of, of steel traps. Uh, <laughs> the, the Roman Catholic position is the bread is the body. The wine is the blood. The Lutheran position is that Christ is present, and Luther's words were in, with, around, and under. Uh, that, that's, so, so you can't distinguish the two. Uh, Christ is present in, with, around, and under. And so any attempt to distinguish the presence of Christ from the element is wrong. And, and that's where Luther and Calvin really got upset with each other. Uh, and, and just as an aside, uh, Calvin was younger than Luther, and I think there was probably uh, some sense of, hey, I'm the guy who, I've taken the arrows for this. I'm the guy who stood at uh, the Council of Dort, or not Dort, uh, the Diet of Worms. Thank you. Uh, I'm the guy who stood at the Diet of Worms and put my life on the line for this. Uh, and so that there was there was some personal of course with Luther if you read anything by Luther there's always personal uh animosity or personal engagement uh, Luther was very very emotional uh and and very easily brought his uh emotions into it so at any rate so Zwingli Zwingli says it's pure uh well it's going to write remembrance. That's actually not his words. Uh, it, it still means remembrance, but let's use his word. Uh, it is purely a memorial. 
the relationship between the element and the thing signified for Zwingli is purely a memorial. This helps us to remember that Jesus Christ's body was sacrificed for us. This helps us to remember that the blood of Christ was shed for us. This helps us to remember that uh, we are washed uh, and cleansed from sin. So it's a, it's a memorial uh, between the two. The problem with that is that it, I, it, it doesn't really carry the force that the Scripture carries. And I think it's worthwhile noting that at least both the Roman Catholics and the Lutherans are trying to take very seriously that word is. This is my body. This cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. This is more than just a memory. Uh, there, there's some connection uh, between these two things. And again, as we mentioned in Acts 16.22... Be baptized and wash away your sins. There's, there's some connection between these two things that Scripture seems to indicate is more than simply a reminder. Uh, and, and so trying to take the words of Scripture very, very seriously leads us to what the confession points out is there is an instrumental relationship between the sign and the thing signified. Absolutely not. The, the instrument is the bread and the wine are instrumental in in Christ feeding us? Does Christ really and truly feed us in the bread and the wine? Is there a genuine relationship so that, for instance, let me, let me give you an example. Is there any difference between me taking the Lord's Supper and remembering Christ versus me having a steak dinner and thanking Christ for the food and remembering Christ in the steak dinner that I eat. And so he connects the two. There is a connection between the two. No, not between a steak dinner. That was my point. <laughs> my point is that there's no connection between a steak dinner and the body of Christ. There is a point, or there is a connection between the bread that is taken particularly in the Lord's Supper uh, and, and the body of Christ. There's, there's some connection there. So what is the connection? And the connection is that the means, so, so this is, uh, if you're familiar with the term means of grace, the means of by which the water in my shower this morning poured upon my head. What was the means 
by which that water poured upon my head. Now the means, uh, how, how did that, the, the water pipes, the, the, the pipes, the faucet, the, the, the pipe is the means by which that water pours out on my head uh, when I took my shower this morning. So the Reformed position, and this is trying to understand Scripture and trying to recognize that there's a, there's a clear relationship uh, between these two that is not identity. We're not saying that when you're eating the bread, you're eating the body of Christ. But it's also not, we're not going in the, in, so far in that other direction where we're saying, you know, it might as well be Oreos. Uh, Oreos and Coca-Cola. Uh, both of those can remind me. Uh, no, there's something about the bread and there's something about the wine that, that Christ commands. So the distinction, I think, is, I think this is a, uh, the answer to the question, <laughs> uh, is, alright, so, so let me, let's look quickly at sections two and three of chapter 27. Because in section two, this is exactly what we're trying to, to figure out. Uh, section two says, there is in every sacrament a spiritual relation or sacramental union between the thing and the thing signified. Whence it comes to pass that the names and effects of the one are attributed to the other. So Acts 16.22, the names and effects of the one are attributed to the other. Uh, When when it says in Acts 16.22, be baptized and wash away your sins. The the washing away of sin is attributed to baptism. So so it's saying there's a connection between these two things. That's all it's saying. There's a, there's a sacramental union. There's a spiritual relationship between these two things. Now to this point, just about everybody would be in agreement, except for the pure memorialist position. But section three, I think, is going to answer your question. (laughs) The grace which is exhibited in or by the sacraments rightly used is not conferred by any power in them, nor does the efficacy of a sacrament depend on the piety or intention of him that does administer it, but upon the work of the Spirit and the word of institution, which contains, together with a precept authorizing the use thereof, a promise of benefit to worthy receivers. And so the grace that is conveyed is not conferred by any power in the element. So it's not the bread that brings that grace. It's not the water that brings that grace. 
And that's where they would disagree with Luther, or Luther would disagree with them. Uh, he would say there is a, a union between the sign and the thing signified so that you cannot have the thing signified without having the sign. Sorry, repeat that. Right. That's exactly right. First first paragraph, we're going to lose the Roman Catholics. They're not going to agree with that. Second paragraph, we're going to lose the memorialists. <laughs> They're not going to agree with that. And third paragraph, we're going to lose the Lutherans. Uh, so we're standing all alone now in the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> we've, we've lost everybody. Um, so it, it, it's not the thing signified. Uh, there, there's not such a close connection that when I take the bread, I'm, I'm receiving that grace of growth and union in Christ that the Lord's Supper is to represent. Now, one of the one of the problems before I, I go further with this, because I think the word, the means of grace or the the instrumental means of grace, sounds to a lot of people like we're just being Roman Catholic and we're just playing around with the words. Uh, well, no, we're not. <laughs> uh, we're trying to take very seriously what the Word of God says. And what the Word of God says is, this is that. Uh, and so we're going to try to take that very seriously and figure out how this is that. Now, to, to push back against the memorialist position, if the, th- if the sign is simply a memorial of the thing signified, then consider 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and uh, verse 29 and 30. Could someone read that? 1 Corinthians 11, 29 and 30. So, there's enough of a connection between partaking of the Lord's Supper and the body of Christ that if I do this in an unworthy manner, God, according to Paul, will strike me dead uh, or strike me with grave illness. This is why, Paul says, many among you are sick, some have even died. Uh, because of this. There, there's, there's a connection between these two things uh, from, from the divine perspective. He put these things forward and he connects them. He connects the sign to the thing signified. And he says, if you don't partake of this in a worthy manner, and, and we'll get in later into what is a worthy manner. I think a lot of people have messed up on this uh, still today. 
they think that you've got to be holy, you've got to have uh, prepared yourself, you should have been uh, spending days in fasting and prayer in order to be ready uh, to come to the Lord's Supper. This is uh, one position that the Reformed Church has taken over the years where we have seasons. Uh, we, have, we have seasons of the Lord's Supper where we spend three, four days ahead of time. Uh, often the churches will have services uh, on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, preparatory services. And the idea is that I've, I've, I've completely confessed, I've come, I've, I've come with clean hands so that now I can say I am worthy to take of the Lord's Supper. Uh, the, the problem with that uh, is that in the New Testament, we seem to see a pattern of weekly observance uh, of the Lord's Supper. Uh, and, and so it's not a uh, one time a year or two times a year with intense preparation ahead of time. The worthiness is never any, any time in Scripture that we point to worthiness. It's never my worth. It's never my worthiness. It's never that I'm good enough. It's always the worthiness of Jesus Christ. And so partaking in an unworthy manner means that we're united to Christ. Uh, now, at the same time, our larger catechism says, what is the difference? And, and so again, because, because these are uh, side notes, but, but worthy, worthy of noting. Um, The being a member of the visible church is based on that profession of faith. It, it is that uh, I am publicly stating that I am united to Christ. Our larger catechism says, what's the difference between the sacrament of the Lord's Supper and the sacrament of baptism? Uh, because we believe, and we'll get into this later, uh, the sacrament of baptism is rightly administered to the children of believers. Uh, so does that mean that as a child who has been baptized, you are therefore worthy uh, to come to the table, and your only requirement is that you be able to uh, digest uh, bread and, and wine? Uh, and our larger catechism says, no, the difference between these two, the difference between baptism and the Lord's Supper, is... The Lord's Supper, someone is to be of years and ability to examine themselves. Uh, and so that typically has been ar- used as an argument against what we call pedo communion. Uh, there, there is a personal responsibility to discern and to examine. Uh, so, so, We should be examining ourselves when we are coming to the table. We should be saying, is there any sin that is, that I'm clinging to? Uh, is there, is there anything that I am saying, I'm going to hide this over in the corner. This is going to be my pet sin. Jesus will forgive, but I'm not giving this up. Uh, and that's where Paul, and we bring in the language of 1 Corinthians 11, uh, of the coming in an unworthy manner. So the Reformed position, 
in, well, we'll, we'll pick up sections four and five next week. Uh, the, the reform position is what we call instrumental. So, To, to continue with the shower analogy, the means by which the water poured on my head this morning was the pipes uh, that delivered the water. Uh, the means by which I partake in the body and the blood of Christ is the bread and the wine. It's not the steak and the Coca-Cola. It's not the whatever, uh, the Oreo cookie and the milk. That's not the means by which I partake in the body and blood of Jesus Christ. The means by which I partake in the body and blood of Jesus Christ is the bread and the wine, particularly instituted in the words of institution in in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And so that's where we're trying to recognize that Scripture very clearly connects these two things. This is my body. This is my blood. Acts 16.22, be baptized and wash away your sins. While at the same time, so, so we're recognizing there is a connection that Scripture makes between these two, while at the same time recognizing that there is a distinction between these two. Not everybody who has been baptized has their sins washed away. There are many false professors. Uh, not everyone who has been baptized is going to be at peace in heaven with God. Your baptism isn't what saves you. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. The Lord's Supper isn't what unites you to Christ. Uh, it, is, it is God's work, uh, His declaration that you are united to Christ uh, in faith. And so the, the, the one is not identical to the other, but the one should not be separated from the other because Scripture doesn't separate them. Uh, and so that's what we're trying to, to figure out, uh, how to follow after what Scripture says without turning these into a perversion of the gospel. Uh, because the gospel is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, uh, you and your household. Uh, and, and so the, the gospel message is by grace through faith, uh, you have been saved. You've been raised up together with Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. This is by God's grace and the instrument is your faith, uh, and, and so it's by grace through faith that we're saved. So we're trying to avoid redefining the gospel. This is where uh, we still believe that the Roman Catholics, they got it wrong and they did still continue to get it wrong. Uh, if you are taking the Lord's Supper, then you are united to Christ. It's one of the, uh, one of the sacraments. If you are baptized, then you are united to Christ. One of the reasons that uh, early on, folks would put off baptism uh, until very close to death because baptism is the washing uh, away of sin. So if I get all my sin washed away at the age of 20, I'm in trouble <laughs> because what's going to happen when I'm 40? 
uh, either I get baptized again, get all my sins washed away again, or if baptism is a one-off, uh, then from 20 onward, uh, either I commit no sin whatsoever, or uh, I've got to I've got to receive grace from some other way, and that's where we start piling on these other uh, means by which grace comes. Or you got to get baptized every night. Which is which is why midwives. Uh, so that's a good point. The the point was you got to get baptized within hours of birth, which is why midwives were given a special dispensation to baptize infants if they looked like they were about to die. Uh, so so in those in those unique cases where the infant was about to die the midwife is allowed to do the baptism. Uh, and, and because they connect these two uh, so closely. So I think ultimately, uh, Jose's way of, of summarizing it uh, is, is the best way to understand these first three sections, uh, which is section one is going to tee off the Roman Catholic. Section two is going to tee off the memorialists in section three is going to tee off the Lutherans, <laughs> and uh, but but we're trying to wrestle with, we're trying to honestly face what does Scripture say about these signs and the relationship to the thing signified, and that's where we we come down on this instrumental means of grace. So I'm ten minutes over. That's right. That's right. Uh, one of the ways in which uh, that warning takes place, and that, that's why we, we fence the table, is if someone is not truly a believer, uh, if, if they are not born again, they should not be taking the body and blood of Christ because the body and blood of Christ, or the bread and the wine, is a statement that this is who I am. This is what I, this is what I want you to know about me. That I am united to Christ. Yeah, and that, that's one of the benefits of fencing the table, is, is to say, listen, be honest. Are you united to Christ? Are you clinging to Him? Are you born again? Uh, if you can't honestly say that, then let this thing go by you. Because uh, God takes it very seriously. He connects the one with the other. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, we've run over... Uh, before I close this, because I know as soon as I pray, nobody's going to pay any attention to what I say. Um, we This week is uh, Brett and Angel Robley and their family, their last Sunday with us. And uh, so we have a little cake up here. Uh, so I will leave it to you parents to decide if you want your kids jacked up on sugar before or after the worship service. But... Uh, 
that is an appreciation for the Robleys, and do make sure that you get to spend some time with them today. They've been a dear family, and uh, we will miss them very dearly as they move on to their next station in life. But let's go ahead and uh, close with prayer. Father, we thank you that you have given to us these physical signs, because, Lord, we would forget. Uh, it's so easy for us to, to forget the very, very basic realities. Am I washed from sin? Am I united to Christ? Uh, that's the bottom line. That's the foundation. And you give us these two sacraments uh, in order to continually draw our attention back to what is foundational uh, for the church. Help us to use these rightly in Christ's name. Amen.